What is up, guys? It is the Blue Bloods here coming at y'all with a week 13 instant reaction episode, recap episode, man. But listen, if robbery week, if I told you guys like what would happen this weekend, how much it would live up to the hype, I think a lot of people would doubt me. We had an outstanding last, the last week of regular season college football lived up to the hype and more, man, and really and truly was perfectly on par with exactly how the season has went, which has just been pure chaos. We have a lot to get into, man. We're going to cover the biggest games, give y'all my final takeaways, and then, you know, at the end, man, just we can quick preview, man, the conference championship week, which I think is going to be even bigger and better than what we even had this week. But listen, we have to start in Ann Arbor, man. One of the game, one of the biggest games of the year, a top five matchup. If it could be any bigger, it was in the snow. We had, we had fans storming the field. We had a Heisman candidate. We had breakout players on both sides of the ball. We had Jim Harbaugh getting his first win over Ohio State, 42-27 in Ann Arbor. His number five Michigan pulls the upset over number two Ohio State. And is there a name that I could start with other than Hassan Haskins? 169 total uh, rushing yards, over six yards per carry, five rushing touchdowns, guys. Five rushing touchdowns. Hassan Haskins was the star of the show, man. And uh, listen, Cade McNamara didn't have a great day. J.J. McCarthy got a handful of snaps. But it came down to Hassan Haskins with a little bit of Blake Corum at the running back spot that really separated Michigan apart from Ohio State. And the thing about this win is you can't sit back and say, oh, they won on a fluke play here. Oh, you know, they got lucky here. Or Ohio State, you know, didn't do this or this. They look like the better team from the jump, man. From that first drive, they drove it right down Ohio State's throat. They had a chance to go up 14-0. Ohio State gets a pick. And every time Ohio State thought they had an answer for Michigan, Michigan had an answer for their answer, and there was nothing they can do. The defensive line for Ohio State got pushed around. The, 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 the offensive line for Ohio State got pushed around. Aiden Hutchinson made, him, made himself millions this weekend, man. Three sacks, unblockable off the edge. David Ajabo on the other end had a giant day as well. Listen, Ajabo and Hutchison on the biggest stage showed why a lot of people, including myself, called them the best edge duo in the country. They made play after play after play. And so, I mean, you got to give these guys so much credit. And you have to give Jim Harbaugh credit as well for – to taking in all the noise, taking a pay cut, coming into the season as, you know, somebody who was fighting for their job. And a lot of people thought that it was impossible for him to save his job, that there was no way they were beating Ohio State in this condition. There was no way Jim Harwell was going to do enough to, to justify Michigan keeping him. And now he has the Wolverines in their first Big Ten championship in his tenure. They beat Ohio State convincingly in front of their home crowd. And for me, it and they did it without a quarterback that – really is a game changer as well. They did it on the back of defense and running the ball, which has always been, you know, really and truly Jim Harbaugh's signature style to win these type of games. So you have to give Michigan so much credit. Also, man, Cornelius Johnson, Roman uh, Roman Wilson at the wide receiver spot, both combined for over, they combined for over 100 yards, over 24 yards per catch combined for them. They made the plays when they had to. But, man, Blake Corum with 14 and a half yards rushing, man. He was so explosive, and they did a great job getting him out in the open space, and he made plays against this Ohio State defense. But Hassan Haskins, man, 
he deserves a round of applause for what he did this weekend. And now Michigan gets to go to the Big Ten Championship and finds himself perfectly in position for the Big Ten to, to get to the college football playoff and win the Big Ten title. But the biggest difference, man, in this game was the rushing game. 297 rushing yards for Michigan, over seven and a half, over seven yards per carry, and six rushing touchdowns. For Michigan, while Ohio State 64 yards rushing, less than less than two and a half yards per carry and one touchdown. And you also look at how this affected the offense as a whole. Michigan was able to stay on pace and keep themselves in third and shorts. They, their average yards to go for third down was only three total yards, where it was about three yards per third down, while Ohio State had almost eight yards per third down they had to attempt. And that's not going to work, especially when you have the dual, the, 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 the two edge rushers and the Jabo and Hutchinson for uh, Michigan coming, coming right up the field and not getting blocked, man. There was nothing you can do. Now on the other side, CJ Stroud played fairly well, 394, two touchdowns, no turnovers, but it wasn't enough. Jackson Smith had a big day. Gary Wilson had a big day. Uh, you know, they combined for over 230 yards, tw 21 catches and a touchdown. But for me, the lack of balance from Ohio State really hurt them this weekend. And really and truly, the defensive inconsistency for Ohio State hurt the offense. Usually, the offense is playing in a relaxed state. They don't have to worry about matching score for score for a team. But every time Ohio State scored, their defense wasn't able to do anything. And early on, them not being able to execute latent drives and execute on third downs really limited what Ohio State was able to do this weekend. And look at the offensive line. They got embarrassed, man. Five false starts. Um, in crucial, crucial situations. And on top of that, they couldn't stop Ajabo and, and Hutchinson at all. And that ultimately really led to their downfall. I mean, Michigan, Michigan only had eight third down attempts, guys. Eight. They were staying ahead of the chains. They were they had offensive flow and also a lack of penalties, man. Only two penalties for Michigan, while Ohio State had over 10 penalties this weekend. It cost them the game. And now you look at Ohio State with two losses out of the college football playoff race, out of the Big Ten championship race. And now you have a lot of questions to answer this offseason. You're probably losing Olave. You're losing Wilson. Stroud will be back. You're losing some strong defensive players. How do you replace them? And what is Ryan Day's message to his team going into next season? And who is the quarterback? Do you stick with C.J. Stroud? Or do you give a kid like Quinn Ewers who arguably was – probably the most hyped QB prospect since Trevor Lawrence. So you have a lot of questions to answer if you're Ohio State this weekend. But this weekend, there was no question on the field that Michigan was the better team this weekend. And they proved it time and time again throughout that game. So shout out shout out to Michigan, Jim Harbaugh for getting their first win. But Michigan makes a huge statement against Ohio State this weekend. Now, the other... I mean, the two best rivalries in college football, the game and the Iron Bowl, lived up to all the hype as number three Alabama overcame a 10-point fourth-quarter deficit to win a four-overtime thriller in Jordan-Hare Stadium, 24-22. And listen, it, it I know he didn't have the best stat line, man, 25-51, 317, two touchdowns and a pick. He didn't have the best stat line. But Bryce Young had his Heisman moment this weekend. The 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 throw to Jacory Brooks to get this game into overtime, uh, it was beautiful, man. And it showed exactly what type of athlete Bryce Young was. He got no help from his offensive line. Auburn had seven sacks. Derek Hall is going to hunt 
<clears throat> of Bryce Bryce Young's dreams, man. I mean, but we'll get to the office line, but Bryce Young had his Hosman moment, man. Shout out to this kid. You could see it in his eyes coming down the field after he threw that touchdown that he is the leader of that offense, man. He was saying that there was no doubt this was his time, and he had this team going into overtime, and he executed down the stretch, including his game-winning touchdown to John Mechie. And on top of that, Bryce Young loses his top wide receiver and Jamison Williams in the second quarter to a targeting call on special teams where Williams just ducked his head and got kicked out of the game. But you got to give Bryce Young so much credit, man. No help from the running game for the most part and no help from his offensive line. And that's one problem I do want to address is, man, this Alabama offensive line has to, like, they have to get it together. Because Georgia's de- if Auburn's defense line could do this, Georgia's D-line is going to be no joke next week. Only 71 rushing yards for Alabama this, this weekend, and they had 1.9 yards per carry. They had negative two yards rushing at halftime. That cannot happen against a, this, this Georgia front seven next week. And, you know, Auburn had seven sacks. It was it was a free-for-all. And I, I think you got to give Derek Mason a lot of credit for his creativity on how he got pressure on Young. But – Bryce Young was the star of the show, man. Shout out to Ja'Cory Brooks, too. After Jamison Williams went out, Ja'Cory Brooks really stepped up in a big way at that wide receiver spot for Alabama. Two catches, 49 yards, including that game when he touched down. And also, John Mechie, man. You know, myself, I said that Jamison Williams is the best wide receiver on this team. But for me, man, John Mechie had an outstanding performance. 13 catches, 150 yards this weekend and that game-winning two-point conversion in the fourth overtime he really had to step up Nick Saban went right over to the sideline when Williams was ejected he said who's going to be the guy to Corey Brooks and Mechie said I I, I got it and they did and so you got to give this Alabama defense a lot of credit as well they held Auburn to 11 first downs and 159 total yards of offense including 22 yards rushing and only 0.6 yards per carry Give them a lot of credit, man. They got after TJ Finley. They also had over six sacks this weekend. I mean, this was a defensive just expose on both sides of the ball for these teams. And listen, Will Anderson is a problem. I'll get to my final takeaways this week. Will Anderson's a grown man, and you got to give him a lot of credit. Also, shout out to Dallas Turner for Alabama. He had a giant game this weekend, two sacks this weekend, played played amazing off the edge for Alabama this weekend. But – Penalties really hurt them early. 11 penalties, 129 penalty yards for Alabama. But Nick Saban, even after the game, I think he looked happier after this win, guys, than he did after some of the national championship wins. This was a game that Alabama proved that in the face of adversity, they can find a way to win, and you've got to give them a lot of credit. I know Auburn was 6-5 and five without their starting quarterback. Finley gets banged up. Finley, Finley could barely walk out to, to take the snap in the fourth quarter. But – Alabama found a way to win when every every single time that you thought they were gonna that they were out of it, they found a way to get back in. But on the other side, man, Auburn, TJ Finley was just you could tell he wasn't healthy, but he played, he did what he could, man. Two passing touchdowns, one pick. He also, I mean, he he played outstanding in overtime, and he missed one throw, which ended the overtime, but he got no help from the rushing game. I mean, Tank Bigsby was the leading rusher with 63 yards. Jarquez Hunter had two yards, and they had 22 total yards rushing due to Finley sacks. Auburn's offensive line just could not win at the at the point of attack. Man, they There was a third and two to end the game, and 
Alabama had three guys in the backfield before uh, before Bigsby even got the football. Fidaria Mathis had a giant game of defense tackle for Bama, but Auburn just couldn't establish anything on the offensive side of the ball. Kobe Hudson and Demetrius Robinson had some big catches, but outside of that, the wide receivers were really non-existent for Auburn. They weren't able to run the football, and their quarterback was a backup who was already also injured late in the game. And there was just nothing Auburn could do on the offensive side of the ball, and Bama just hung around and hung around until their offense finally put it together on that last drive. You have to give them – a, a lot you got to give Nick Saban in this in this Alabama Crimson Tide team a lot of credit. For me, Auburn played very conservative in the second half. You could tell that 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 they were playing not to lose instead of to win. They weren't taking any risks. They were good with you know three and outs, and they were good with just not putting any pressure on their team. And then when Finley finally when they finally put the ball in Finley's hands, he threw a crucial interception in the red zone, which ultimately led to Alabama getting the field goal in in the red zone. But Auburn for me didn't take too many chances. They should have been more creative getting the ball out into space, jet sweeps, screens, maybe a little wildcat action. They just they never got away from just Finley getting under sender under 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 sender and handing it to Bigsby up the middle. That's just not going to work against Alabama when you have this front seven. But for me, Landon King was a, made an outstanding catch. I still don't know how he caught that football in the first overtime, one-handed, draped over coverage. But I think Alabama this week this weekend really showed that it, even when faced with, I guess, just. All the odds against them, they found a way to win in a in a in a very hostile environment, and you got to give Bryce Young all the credit. Bryce Young was the MVP of this weekend for Alabama. Auburn back to the drawing board at six and six, but Alabama has found found out where their weaknesses are and where their strengths are, and it's going to be interesting to see how Nick Saban schemes up next weekend's SEC championship game. But huge game this weekend in Jordan Hare Stadium. The other big game we're going to have to talk about them, Oklahoma State. Listen. I've been I said on this show, I thought Oklahoma State was playing some of the best football in the country, man. Jim Knowles, listen, Jim Knowles. Can we please give this guy a round of applause? Jim Knowles' defense made play after play after play. And I think, in my opinion, is one of the is probably one of the most unappreciated defensive coordinators in the entire country, guys. And I've I've really truly believe that. I mean, this this defense ranks number one in the Big 12 in every major statistical category. And in my opinion, I think he should be a top contender for the Broyles Award this year. Jim Knowles, I mean, in the second half, held Caleb Williams to six of 18, 48 yards, two for 10 on third downs, and Oklahoma scored zero offensive points in the second half. I mean, and that's with that's with this Oklahoma. This, that's with this Oklahoma State defense that they don't have just endless five stars. They don't have endless blue chip recruits. He's doing this recruiting his players, calling his scheme. And all year, the defense has won them game after game after game. And when Oklahoma State was struggling early on the offensive side of the ball, Jim Knowles' defense was the reason that this team was in there. So Mike Gundy needs to give him whatever type of money that he wants to stay because for me, Jim Knowles was the MVP of this weekend. But you look at Spencer Sanders, man, the turnover bug, <clears throat> called him again, two picks, still had a passing touchdown, but his legs, I said it on our preview, man, 
his legs was going to be an X factor this weekend, and they were, man. 93 yards rushing, almost six yards per carry, and a rushing touchdown. Jalen Warren didn't have the best game, but they kept pounding it and pounding it and pounding it, and he ended up with over 56 yards rushing this weekend. And then Tay Martin, man. I mentioned him. Tay Martin at wide receiver is a problem for the Cowboys. Seven catches, 89 yards, and a touchdown. But, man, the MVP was the defense in the second half. And also, they were covering a muff punt in, in inside the inside the five-yard line, really helped out the Cowboys. And it was mistake after mistake after mistake for both teams. And it was just which team would make the crucial mistake. And for me, Oklahoma in the second half could not get anything going on the offensive side of the ball. Now, there were rumors swirling all weekend long that LSU and Lincoln Riley already agreed upon a contract. Lincoln Riley shut it down. So you do have to kind of wonder where the Sooners were in terms of headspace and motivation. But Caleb Williams played great in the first half, 252, three touchdowns, no turnovers for the game. But in the second half, it was a different story. And the adjustments that Oklahoma State made really shook up this Oklahoma offense. Now, Kennedy Brooks, I mentioned him on the preview, had to have a big game. And he did 139 rushing yards over six yards per carry. But, man, I don't know what happened to the two-headed monster that was supposed to be Eric Gray and Kennedy Brooks. Eric Gray has just disappeared from this offense, and I'm not sure what really went wrong with him. He had so much potential coming into Oklahoma, and he just hasn't lived up to any of the hype. He had the muff, the muff punt at um, in, in the second half, and he just really hasn't lived up to the hype. So I really think that hurt Oklahoma's offensive potential in the long run. Now, Austin Stoner at tight end, though, is a problem for the for, for the Sooners, man. 61 yards, a touchdown over 20 yards per catch for him. But for Marvin Mills to Marvin Mills, Mario Williams, and and Jadon Hazelwood, they did not have big games and they needed more production. But that just speaks to the Oklahoma State secondary, man. That secondary gets no credit whatsoever and that's why I think Jim Knowles deserves all the credit in the world this weekend and on top of that the turnovers the time of possession the penalties everything everything was going the wrong way and Oklahoma State found a way to pull it off and now they set up a huge appearance with Baylor next week but they beat Baylor 24-14 um, in Stillwater week four this year always harder to beat a team twice always harder just ask I mean Oklahoma has been that team uh, came back in Came back and beat, uh, you know, beat Baylor twice in the Big Twelve Championship two years ago. Came back and beat Iowa State after they beat them earlier in the season. So Oklahoma understands this. Oklahoma State's going to be tested. But for Mike Gundy, man, I want to end off on this note for this game. For Mike Gundy to, you know, everyone said he lost the team, guys. I mean, that they really did. I mean, everyone said he lost his team. Last year with the whole, you know, T-shirt incident with everything that happened with Chuba Hubbard, everything with, um, you know, I'm, I'm blanking on his name, but the wide receiver um, ending his season at halftime of the bowl game last year. Everyone just kind of counted off Oklahoma State, but Gundy showed why he's such a legendary coach in Stillwater, man. Year after year, they exceed expectations and they find a way to win. I mean, everyone doubted Sanders. Everyone doubted the running back situation when they when they had a bunch of injuries. The wide receiver spot was banged up. The secondary got banged up. They they were missing like three defensive starters halfway through the year to season in the injuries. And I mean, thing after thing kept presenting itself as adversity for Mike Gundy. And he still has his team as a college football playoff dark horse and a potential Big 12 champion. So I think Mike Gundy this year has really showed that 
I mean, he is one of the coaches that needs more respect in this in in terms of the college football landscape. Man, he really has done a number with Oklahoma State. And all the side note, just you know, those the, the script helmets with the, the the cowboy script helmets, keep those. The, the, the all black script helmets, man. That the, the uniform, the uniform was nice for Oklahoma State this weekend. But the other thing that I don't think enough people are talking about, you know, everyone said after conference realignment, the Big Twelve is dead, right? Well, with Oklahoma State, with Baylor, with Cincinnati being where it is, with BYU potentially being a top 15 team, I don't think this conference is going to be as weak as people think. Right now, I think you could argue that Baylor, Oklahoma State, Cincinnati, and BYU are better positioned programs right now than Texas. Houston is as well. Houston's going to be a top 20 team this week, most likely. So you have five teams right now that I think are probably going to be top 25 teams. And you're sitting there looking like that's one of the top ranks right now. If you did it by a conference right now, if you, even if you took Oklahoma and Texas out of it. So for me, I think the perception of the big 12 isn't going to be as low as people think if they look at it, if they look at it properly, man, I don't think the new Big 12 is going to be weaker than the current Big 12 because I really do think right now the new Big 12 looks just as strong as this one outside of Oklahoma. So for me, I think the new Big 12 has a lot of promise. I think adding maybe a Boise State or someone like that could really help. But for me, the new Big 12 is not going to be as weak as people think. And I really I really do think that they're going to be still one of the top power five conferences out there. So I think this narrative that the Big 12 is dead really has to stop. And, you know, one one last game, man, that really caught my eye. I won't go into it too much. But, man, let's give a shout out to P.J. Fleck in Minnesota, man. Eight and four on the year gets their gets they get to take Paul Bunyan's axe back to Minneapolis for the first time in a long time. And Minnesota's defense, man, let's give them a lot of props. They did not allow an offensive touchdown this weekend. The one the 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 one touchdown Wisconsin got was a turnover return for a touchdown. And Minnesota absolutely dominated this game on the defensive side of the ball. Only 233 yards allowed, four for 14 on third downs, 62 rushing yards allowed to one of the best rushing teams in recent college football memory, and they were in the backfield all game long. And I, I think you've got to give you got to give Minnesota a lot of credit. They held Braylon Allen to 47 yards rushing and 2.8 yards per carry, and he's been one of the most explosive running backs. Out over the past few weeks for Wisconsin, and they forced Graham Mertz into his previous mistakes as well. He was throwing ducks this weekend, and I love the environment up there in Minneapolis. I need to get up there for a game. It was electric. Tanner Morgan didn't have his best game. He was efficient, though, 11 for 16, 200 yards and a touchdown. And it's, even though they didn't run the ball efficiently, only two yards per carry, they pounded it and pounded it and pounded it. It stuck to their game plan. Kai Thomas and Marquise Irving had solid games, but they combined for, uh, for over 90 yards rushing and a touchdown. They ran the ball almost 40 times and still got over 75 yards rushing, controlled the clock. And then Brevin Spanford had a big game, 62 yards receiving. And 
I, I just I, you've got to give PJ Fleck credit, man. Everyone was off the bandwagon. Just just in 2019, he was the hottest coach in the country. And everyone and everyone just seemed to count him out as Minnesota lost a bunch of players. You look at Antoine Winfield, Tyler Johnson, Rashad Bateman. They've been they've lost a lot of NFL talent. And he showed this weekend that why he's still a great coach, man. Eight and four Minnesota record. They bounced back in a big way. I think Minnesota had a solid season. I'm very excited to see where this program goes and what they could have been if they didn't lose Mo Ibrahim and some of the other players that they lost to injury. So great win for Minnesota this weekend to get Paul Bunyan's axe. But listen, final takeaways for this weekend, man, and then we'll end this episode. One, the Will the Will Anderson Hosman hype's real, man. Listen, I, I, I y'all see the Auburn jerseys. Y'all know this is as unbiased as it can get. The Will Anderson Hosman hype is real. When I look and I, I've said on this podcast, I think Nadama Kasu should have won the Hosman at 09. The domination that he showed was he was the best player and the most impactful player in college football. 85 tackles, 12 sacks, 24 tackles for loss for Sue in 2009. Anderson has played two less games than him this year in 2021. 86 tackles, 14 and a half sacks, and 30 and a half tackles for loss. Will Anderson is outperforming the Dominican Sue and is wreaking havoc week in and week out. And no other, and I think right now he should be, at, I know he's not going to win it. A defensive lineman isn't going to win it, even though it should be possible. He still should be in New York for the Hosman ceremony. Will Anderson deserves it. He's earned it. He's made me a believer. Put Will Anderson in New York for the Hosman right now. Hashtag Will Anderson for Hosman right here on the Blue Bloods, man. Make sure to make sure to tag us in it if you tweet that out. But Will Anderson deserves all the Hosman hype. The other one, man, the college football playoff chaos is real. Right now, you probably have Georgia, Alabama, Michigan, and Cincinnati in the dance right now. And look at the contenders, man. A one-loss Notre Dame team only lost to Cincinnati. Oklahoma State, a potential one-loss Big 12 champion. Baylor, a two-loss potential Big 12 champion. And you still have that two-loss Ohio State team sitting around it's trying to see if pure chaos could happen. But let's look at the scenarios, man. How chaotic could this get? We have the SEC championship this weekend. Georgia versus Alabama. Would a, does a one-loss UGA get in if they lose this weekend? How about a two-loss Alabama? Um, even potentially, some people have been saying that. What happens to the SEC loser this weekend? I think if it's Georgia, you get in. Bama would probably need a lot of help, but you can never count out Alabama even with two losses. Also, where does a one-loss Oklahoma State fit in? If, if Bama wins and you have a one-loss Georgia, one-loss Alabama, a Michigan conference champion, and an undefeated Cincinnati, where does, where does Oklahoma State fall in? That's going to be interesting. What about Notre Dame potentially sneaking into the playoffs if Alabama loses? I mean, and what happens if Baylor wins? Would a two-loss Big 12 champ still have to find a way to get in? What would happen if, if, if Baylor won, man? Comment below your college football playoff scenarios. I'm going to address it on the mailbag this week on Tuesday night, 6.30 p.m. Central Time. We're going to go over all the college football playoff chaos scenarios. Three, then the final takeaway, the Heisman race is over. Hand the trophy to Bryce Young. It was a great year for C.J. Stroud, great year for Kenny Pickett, Matt Corral, Will Anderson. Bryce Young proved in Jordan-Hare Stadium this weekend he deserved the Hosman Trophy. The way he, he carried that offense, the way he turned it around and made the play in an environment that I don't think any of the other quarterbacks could have done. We know Matt Corral could, and Matt Corral did not did not win that game in Jordan-Hare. We, we saw Will Anderson have a big game, but Bryce Young – has proved week in and week out this year that he's the best quarterback in the country. I think Bryce Young 
takes the Hosman Trophy this year and go ahead and engrave his name on it, and we'll and we can give it to him in two weeks, man. But listen, I appreciate y'all tuning in. This is our Week 13 recap, man. Listen, I appreciate y'all choosing the Blue Bloods for your college football content. I hope y'all all had a great Thanksgiving, and y'all already know, man. The only college football channel on YouTube, man, that gives y'all this much college football content and this in-depth college football content. Become a member now for great perks and a bunch of all-season content that y'all aren't going to want to miss, including film breakdowns, extended interviews, and voting on topics for the show. And listen, man, if you're not a subscriber, hit that subscribe button and comment your takeaways from week 13 below. I really, really appreciate y'all, man. Listen, happy holidays from my family to yours. And listen, guys. Conference Championship Week is here. We are previewing the Conference Championships all week long. We also got the second round of the FCS playoffs coming up. Listen, it's going to be a big week here on the Blue Bloods. You're not going to want to miss it. So subscribe, turn on your post notifications, and tune in to the best college football channel on YouTube. Without a doubt, I'll go up against anybody on that. But listen, guys, for right now, the Blue Bloods are out.